Welcome to Burlers Hurlers. This is the season two premiere. I'm host Dan. This is host Don. I'm realizing it should one of us be Burler and one Hurler, or are we both Burlers Hurlers? I think we're both Hurlers nice. at the end of the day, but we could also do that like Burler and Hurler. <laughs> I think just that's to make it more confusing. Burler, Dan yeah. Hurler. We're Dan and Don. We're also Burler and Hurler, so it's really easy to tell us apart. Six months off, our rat tat tat is not diminished. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we are. Today is March 13th, and thank God the lockout is over. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to talk about it. Don and I, we talked. We, we were going to do a lockout episode, but we're so happy that we didn't because no one cares. There's baseball. They agreed on some numbers that don't affect us at all as fans. <laughs> we can go to the games, drink beer, eat hot dogs, enjoy the White Sox. That's all we wanted. So that that's literally all all I'm going to say about the lockout. Glad it's over. Don, you got anything on the lockout? I do have one lockout question for you. Did you ever think like, shit, we're going to lose the entire season? I did, and I was 100% okay with it. I really, like, okay, I said I wasn't going to say anything. I wanted the players to make it as difficult as possible for the owners and for the owners to agree to what the players wanted, and I was fine losing a season. Yeah, I think, honestly, like every baseball fan I know was there, like, yep, we might lose 2022, and it's probably for the best for the long-term viability of the league. So it's crazy that, like, we all love the sport, and we're just like, yep, see you in a year. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah I think it's like, like a... okay, okay. I'm just gonna cut it off there. I had a whole, a whole little soliloquy about the baseball fans' loyalty, but we'll we'll skip that. Let's get right, let's get right into 2022 Chicago White Sox season, and I think it's appropriate that we start with Mark Burley's Hall of Fame status, which is he got the requisite five percent to stay on the ballot. I think it was five point seven, something like that. Another year of Burley on the ballot and a couple new votes, a couple votes he lost. It's uh, it's something we're going to keep an eye on over the next 15 years, um, mm-hmm. but it's trending up. It's trending up. And I think I think that we'll get to a place where the writers, they're having dinners and they're just somebody's going to be talking up Burley and we're going to see Burley in the Hall of Fame. I think we're going to get there. Do you think we as his namesake podcast can influence this at all like in the next 15 years maybe he comes on the podcast is that realistic do we that's hit it big the goal start like burler hurt what the hell name is that oh it's from mark burley holy shit his career was actually really good i would love for that to end up being true that we have some role to play in cementing mark burley as a legend of baseball and i think it's to- like there's a lot of possibility there i definitely want Mark Burley's representatives, if you're listening, I know you are, Mm -hmm. reach out to us and we will do a 60-minute interview with him 
and talk about fishing exclusively. We will cater the conversation to his interests. And we say reach out to us, but we do not have any contact information. That's on you to figure out how to talk to us. And we'll meet, we won't meet you halfway. You find right. Out. His Hall of Fame, you know, the decision is depending on him getting on this pod. So let's make it happen. In all reality, though, we are talking about getting Joe Creedy to do a cameo intro for the show. It's $60. We need to invest into this show and get Joe Creedy to say Burlers Hurlers. I the, the likelihood of him pronouncing it correctly is zero, but I'm still willing to pay $60 for him to try. Yeah, there's a whole slew of White Sox legends under $100 that we can get cameos and play them on this show and probably infringe all sorts of rights. It doesn't right. matter. I think yeah. we should definitely do it. That's a great idea. But yes, end goal of this pod, if Burley is on for a 60-minute interview, we just retire at that point, and that's the end. We've met our objective, my objective. I don't know what you're doing this for. No, it's to get Burley in the Hall of Fame and to have a talk fishing <laughs> with my favorite picture ever, even though I've been fishing like one time and caught like a weird crawfish that looked dead. So lures, tell me about it. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. All right. So, yeah, Burley, he has another shot next year. Hopefully the hurlers campaign to get him 80 percent of the vote goes through. We're going to be on that every day. But uh, let's get in. Let's get into the actual season here. The Sox have actually made a handful of moves to discuss a couple before the lockout and a couple since. So um, let me just throw the names out there. We got uh, Kendall Graveman, pitcher. Got Josh Harrison, second baseman, Joe Kelly, relief pitcher, Vince Velasquez, starting pitcher. So of all those names, and did I miss anyone? Well, can so can we instead pivot, instead of talking about arrivals, can we talk about the biggest departure at all of all? You know what? Yeah, let's do that. This is a Mark Burley podcast, but it's also a Carlos Rodon podcast. So let's get right into it. You know, Carlos Rodon has been a part of our lives for like eight years now. Like think of where you were eight years ago, how different you were. And now he's gone. So big picture was the Carlos Rodon era for you. Underwhelming spot on, like was the no hitter worth all of the injuries? Big picture. How do you enjoy the last eight years? Um, That's a good question. I, I think I'm over like overall positive on the experience and uh i'm happy that he got a he got a nice bag 44 mil over two years um pretty much off of one season of pitching so good for him uh with an opt-out yeah he has a one-year opt-out he has a one-year opt-out so he can get another payday next year um you know i always had uh kind of baited breath with Rodon with all the injuries and it was like from day one practically with the the issue the arm issues so I never really expected him to be like an all-time great or even on the Sox long term I I think you had stronger like fan connection with Rodon I always kind of looked at him as yeah he's great but can he actually be available that's such a huge part of being you know like a a legend or whatever. So I'm happy with 
how it ended up, I'm happy the Sox were the ones who were able to host his tryout year, so to say, the prove it or, you know, get out of baseball year that he had last year. I'm happy that we were able to be that team since we brought him up and everything. Uh, and overall, you know, it's the business of baseball. I, I think the Sox were right not to bring him back, and I think he was right to go out and seek greener pastures. It was pretty much written on the wall after the season. He said he said goodbye, which means Sox didn't tender a very serious offer at any point that he would consider. So uh, I've seen it come in a long time, and I, I'm good with it. I'm happy. Not I, I kind of look at him as like a Freddie Peralta, if that makes sense. Man, that I no, oh, wow. Freddie Garcia. Excuse me, excuse me, oh, Freddie Garcia. Okay. Yeah, not the Brewers pitcher who we've never mentioned say, on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> not the guy with a lot of upside. No one outside of Milwaukee has heard of. Right. So I'm looking at the uh, 2014 draft. So we had the third overall pick to Carlos Rodon, and in the entire draft. He has the sixth most wins above replacement. So we took him third. He has the sixth most. So that's like a pretty good draft pick, especially since the two guys taken above him just like never even made the bigs. They literally never made Major League Baseball. So when thinking about how many guys bust and how many guys like get injured in their careers are just over, for him to have the sixth most and then cash in a little bit 44 mil like that's a pretty successful career i know people wanted him to be like chris sale like hall of famer you take a picture that picture that high you want him to like start all-star games and you know win cy youngs but that doesn't happen that often and so i think like it's pretty 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 clearly a success if you go to the list of guys that like were taken after him that we could have had it's not that many like kyle freeland would you want rodan or kyle Freeland? i'd rather rodan and you could have like Trey Turner. Like, yeah, I'd probably want Trey Turner instead. Aaron Nola. Yeah, maybe I'd want Aaron Nola instead. But it's not that many guys. Like, good draft pick. Worked his ass off. Had an amazing year last year. No hitter. Like, really happy for him. I'm genuinely happy for him. But I got to disagree with you on one thing. You said, like, it's kind of a mutually beneficial decision. You you wouldn't want him back at that price because I thought he'd get more. Or at least longer years. Like, two years, 44 mil. Yeah, I'm not saying I wouldn't want him back at that price. I'm saying that the Sox obviously didn't offer him anything serious since he posted all those goodbyes on social when there was plenty of time for them to still work out a deal. So they must have come with something that his camp thought was way off. And I'm guessing it was 17, 10 million, somewhere in there, that range. So would I take him at 22? Uh, Yeah, because that's really not that expensive for one year of potentially elite pitching from the left side. Yeah, I I would definitely take him. (laughs) Do you buy the conspiracy theories about like us not offering the qualifying offer to him? Was a nod to Scott Boris like, hey, well, let's do we're doing you a favor now. But then, you know, when Cease is looking for an extension, you have to do us a favor then. Do you buy that or do you think the Sox kind of just like bungled that decision? Interesting. I hadn't heard that conspiracy and I I really love conspiracy theories. Uh, I don't really buy this one because I don't think the Sox are very savvy, first and foremost. (laughs) And second, I don't think Scott Boris is going to be in his agency will be 
leveraged or asked or told to do anything. He knows he represents elite talent. He's not going to cut side deals. It just doesn't, it doesn't play on either side of the table to me. I like that your first counterpoint was like the Sox are too dumb to engage in a conspiracy. Uh, yeah. Do you disagree? I mean, I, I just don't see them pulling off that kind of a, a mind game. I think they know Scott Boras camp is going to be hard in any negotiation. So they're picking their battles. Like they've already got battles coming up. Giolito's in that camp, right? Cease. I don't. So Giolito, I can't remember. I forget if who reps him. I thought Giolito was Boris, but he's not. And I don't know if that changed recently, but yeah, it, I know for sure. Cease just went with Boris. Yeah, C signed in the offseason with Boris's camp, which, you know, is a good sign for him because that means that the the agency that represents most of the elite talent has identified him in that group, which is good. Validates at least my claims that he's really good. Uh, but it's going to be trouble coming up ahead. I mean, he's going to get a, a mad payday. Yeah, I guess I I never allow I haven't allowed myself to think about it just since the lockout was such a bummer. But Cease going with Boris is probably a clear indication that Cease does not want an extension. That like the Sox are probably trying to negotiate an extension with him, get, bring him in long term, get a under market deal like Tim Anderson. And he was probably like, hell no, like I'm awesome now. I want to get 150 mil when I can. Let's get Boris in. So not great for us, but probably good for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean. You got to do what's right for your career. It's kind of funny that if, like, you know, we talk about, we go back to the Tatis trade and people are like, oh, but James Shields was great in the locker room for these guys. I feel like losing Rodon is kind of similar in that vein where it's like, I mean, you know, Cease and Rodon had a great interpersonal relationship. That's gone. So it kind of changes the makeup of that rotation a bit and throws a good amount of uncertainty into a group that had injury struggles, excelled. I mean, they were all over the place last year in terms of being the best rotation in baseball to not even being able to take the field to being awful at times. So it, it's uh, when you ask, would I bring him back? Yeah, I would have brought him back just for continuity, like looking back. And as we bring in Vince Velasquez, I mean, it's like, yeah. I would I would rather have Rodon yeah. for, for 25 mil, for sure. It's going to be weird to see him in San Francisco. It's like so different. It's not like, oh, we signed with the Twins and we see him like 10 times over the next two years. As far as landing places go, San Francisco is not bad, though. I find it pretty easy to root for the Giants. So Rodon and the Giants, eh, I can root for that. And if you like Rodon, like they just rehab, they just basically transformed Kevin Gaussman's career, got him a hundred mil. Like it's plausible. He is like a Cy Young favor this year, cashes in next year. And it's like, oh, wow, that's a make good for him. So I'm, I'm rooting for him, but uh, tough to see him go. Let's go into the arrivals. then. so that's our only big departure out of the guys you mentioned. Who do you want to talk about first? Uh, Harrison, Kelly, Velasquez. What do you got? I'm going to pull a Don and say, let's not talk about that. No, no, no. Just one quick last Rodon thought. <laughs> he has a great nickname, Hard Carl. And I'm just I'm just going to miss that nickname. But let's get into the uh, 
the new the new the new hires. So if yeah, I could actually pull it down as well and rewind a little bit as well. Please, Don. Okay. Don. I'm just realizing now, like you know how Eloy Abreu, they all have like their top three buttons unbuttoned, got the chains going. People forget Rodon started that. He was the first guy on the team to unbutton those buttons, loosen up the team. That counts for something. Because all those images on social media of like, look at how cool the Sox look. Look at how cool like Luis Robert and Eloy look. Like this is the future of baseball. Accurate, true. They deserve credit for making baseball flashing fun. Radon was the leading guy in that cavalry. So credit where credit's due. Do you want to move forward or do you want to also rewind to something pointless like I just did? I mean, it's not rewinding. We're still playing right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, also chain culture. Like, I, I, I want to unbutton jersey and a chain and I want to go to the White Sox game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell yeah. And that's all hard, Carl. That's all I got on that. I'll think of something to interrupt you. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, let's get to the new guys. So we got Kendall Graveman, we got Josh Harrison. Joe Kelly, Vince Velasquez, those are all the people, the paperwork's in process. There's some some deals up in the air right now. But uh, of all the guys that you asked, um, who do I like the most, it'd probably be Graveman. That's the one I'm highest on right now. I think, uh, I mean, he's a good pitcher, like, for sure. Like, we, we, we're losing a few relief pitchers through you know whatever means lost contracts they're just not good enough but i i don't know i i think if you can i think he's as good or better than kimbrell bring him in it doesn't hurt anything the rest of the guys i have a lot of questions about um like why what role are they filling but uh He's definitely the one I'm most excited about, who I think is like the best player of the batch. And maybe it's a a boring answer since I think he's got the highest pay of all of them. Of course, he's the best. But uh, I think as far as who's going to make an impact, it's going to be Graveman. Well, I guess we can lump a few of them together. So like signing Graveman, signing Kelly. Do you take that as a clear indication that Kimbrell is for sure going to get traded for whatever we can get? Or do you think the Sox are comfortable with, like, we paid Hendricks a ton of money to be the closer. We got one more year left of Kimberl on a massive contract. Kelly, $8 million a year. Graven, $8 million a year. Do you think it's there's a realistic scenario the Sox go into the season with all four of those guys? We paid Joe Kelly $8 million a year. It's like two years, $17 mil, I think, yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm just learning that. I saw Joe Kelly to White Sox, and I assumed it was on like a $1.2 million deal. Okay. No, no, he he got paid. That is shocking. I'm shocked. <laughs> I think the Dodgers, like, I think they had a $12 million option, and they declined it, like a one-year $12 million. So yeah, he basically smart. turned like two years into lesser annual money. And I don't dislike Joe Kelly. Let's uh, let's get that up front. I I actually love his uh, his viral moment when he oh, was yeah. making the baby face at uh, who was that Correa after he struck him out. That that was one of my favorite parts of baseball. Recent baseball uh, is he a eight million dollar pitcher? I don't know about that. Um, I think they have to move Kimbrel. I hated that move to pick up the option in the hopes that you're going to be able to trade him. I, I really hated that move. It's like losing a trade twice. 
is how it seemed to me. It's like, let's lose the trade by overpaying for this guy who we don't really need. And then let's lose it again by assuming somebody else wants a guy that they don't need. I I hate that trade. So like, I, I just hate everything about the Sox and what they've done with Kimbrel. I think they ran him in the postseason really poorly, which is to not pitch him when it mattered and overused him in the regular season. Like I, I, I want that gone as soon as possible. So trade him for whatever you've already invested 16 million potentially. Isn't that his deal this year? Potentially $16 million into we're going to get a return on this guy who's semi washed and nobody's like, I I know you were saying, uh, I think Jarius is like, uh, he's garbage. Nobody wants him. I'm in that camp where it's like, I don't think that there is a market. I think the Sox are like, oh, yeah, we'll we'll cover ourselves on the backside by picking it up and trading them. I think they're going to get taken to the cleaners on that trade. Uh, so, But I think they need yeah. to make it because there's no reason or room for him on this roster right now. Well, I mean, because they've backed themselves into a corner too because some teams who might want Kimbrell certainly don't want him for 16 mil. So then Rick Hahn has put himself in a position where it's like, right, well, maybe I'll eat half of the salary. Sort of like you're paying $8 million to get rid of him, but then you're still paying like $8 million for like a, what, a prospect? So we're making That's what I'm talking years. about. They, to lose the trade twice, they're going to lose it on both ends, and it's absurd, but they have to do it because uh, are you going to run him out there for 60 innings? I don't want I mean, to. So that He's is got 30 good innings in him a year. But let's so if you there is a possibility of all four of those guys there. So Hendricks in the ninth, Kimbrell in the eighth, Graveman, Kelly, and Aaron Bummer, who's awesome, like all of those guys. And we that's a ton of money. Like I added it up. That's forty six million dollars for four relievers. And thirty three million dollars for non closers. So like we're paying thirty three mil this year for Kelly, Graveman, and Kimbrell. If we just like kind of let Jose Ruiz have that job, and like Matt Foster, who I know like had a bad, bad year, but just some of these young guys, Garrett Crochet, and think of what we could get for 30 mil. Like we could get Carlos Correa, you know, we can get a superstar, but instead we have three relievers who are over 30, who are not even closing. And it's, it's mind blowing that this is like how Rick Hahn thinks, it, it, how he assumes this is the best use of resources. It makes no sense. I'm right there. I like it. The amount of like a good bullpen, like winning bullpens is a bunch of guys on the up. It's not guys on the down. And we exactly. have a bunch of guys on the down getting paid for when they were on the up. Joe Kelly was never on the up. I have no idea why we're paying him $8 million, but I mean, you have like you're, Paying those guys eight mil, like Joe Kelly and Graveman, yeah, they were good last year. Yeah, they've been good for a couple of years. That is a huge gamble that they're going to be good again, which is like, fine, maybe you talk yourself into that once, but we just saw how that failed. We literally just got Craig, Craig Kimbrell traded a ton for him and saw how these over 30 relievers can just flip on a dime and become terrible. So Rickon is going back to that well, and it's... It's like kind of infuriating if he doesn't make another big move, which I guess we can talk about later in the podcast. But 
I think if like we don't make another big move, if we don't get an outfielder and we keep Kimbrel, I am like genuinely, genuinely upset. And you have to be like, you look at the lineup and let's just go through uh two to nine. It's solid everywhere, but what two and nine second base and right field you upgrade there. The lineup is like world-class and they just refute. They're like, we're, we're willing to take that deficiency at two premier positions, but we're going to, we're going to load up the, the bullpen. You have to be mad at that. It, it really makes no sense. And it, it's so funny too, because like the team that Joe Kelly is coming from is making the choice. Like Oof, Joe Kelly, we like him fan favorite, not going to pay him eight mil a year. Instead, what, you know what we can do with that eight mil we can go get Freddie Freeman. Like, it seems like the Dodgers are going to sign Freddie Freeman in addition to that stacked lineup they have. So the Sox should be doing that. They should be like, where can we save two mil here, eight mil here, add up all this collection and go get a stud? They're not doing it. They're just like, oh, Dodgers scraps? Yeah, we'll take your scraps. (laughs) It's like so embarrassing. Right, and we talked about this last season, which was to be elite you have to be elite everywhere because you're going up against teams like the Dodgers who are elite one through nine and they're elite on the bench. And we're just saying, well, we're going to suck at a couple positions and that'll get us through, but we're going to go all in on garbage relievers. It's, it's, it's really, really infuriating. It's only, yeah, I don't get it. Like <laughs> I don't get it. It's great to have relievers, but, uh, I I've, I'm really really believe that you always want relievers on the up, not the down, because you're paying. You're always paying for what somebody did, not what they're gonna do. You want what they're gonna do, especially in the bullpen, because it's if you trust shit, Ethan. You can be out there too. for eight pitches, like exactly. That's it. Like if you trust Ethan Katz, if you're like this guy is gonna transform our pitching staff, you need to give him the opportunity to turn those like. 25-year-old nobodies in AAA into, like, valuable bullpen arms. Like, pitching coaches, yeah, the marquee names are exciting. Like, whoa, look at what he did for Giolito. Look at what he did for Cease. But honestly, like, maybe the most important part of their job is can you save us millions of dollars in the bullpen by just developing random guys so we don't have to pay $10 million for a setup guy? And that's, like, where he can – but you're not even giving him the opportunity to do that. Yeah, and at this point, there's so much raw talent out there, yeah. especially in the pitching world. It's it's both sides of the play right now, but I think at pitching, it's just like there's been this weird shift where everyone throws 100 all of a sudden. Everyone. So it's like, give me some clay, shape it into a pot, throw it in the furnace, get it going. I, I really think <laughs> we're putting our assets in the wrong spots, and I agree. Like, it... I don't know how much more we could say that we don't love these moves because they're all where we don't necessarily have an issue. And there's like two glaring issues and we're just, yeah, we're just good. We're good. We're good with that. There are players available, but we're good. good. I think one more like negative aspect you, you touched on it is the playoffs last year, like the misuse of our best relievers in the Astro series. Yes. Especially, you know, like last game, 
that was such a disaster of a game that I think it's easy to for, easy to forget that like we were up in the third inning when everything went to hell. So like if he just put in if Lewis just put in Hendricks, if he just put in Kimbrell or something, maybe we get out of it. So if we had a manager that was like more creative with when to use his best relievers, I might be more inclined to be like, I wouldn't have done it. But yeah, Kelly Graveman, sure. Maybe they're openers. Like we see other teams experimenting with openers. Like Joe Kelly, first inning, that'd be awesome. Dude throws 101. Graveman, that's probably like six automatic outs if you want to use him as an opener. But Larusa clearly doesn't want to or isn't able to do that. He clearly has an old school mindset of like Hendricks in the ninth, setup man in the eighth. So like, why are we giving this very conservative dude, not politically, just like very game management conservative guy, so many options when he's not going to use them? Like if you want to get, if you want to start using openers, you have to fire Larusa. You can't have it both ways. Right, right, and I'm glad you touched a bit on Game Three, or the was Game Four of the playoffs last year, because the way I'm looking at it, every inning is do or die, and that's not how the Sox approach the game, and we lost the game. I mean, it it was an embarrassment (laughs) managerially. If that's the word, um, I was really upset with that game because I mean, like everything you just said is true. Larus is old school; he's not going to do the 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 Rays style. Let's do a, a short start. Probably not. He's also fucking up conventional wisdom. Like yeah. throw out your best guys when you need to win a game. There is no tomorrow. Play like it. Like it. It's it's a weird spot, and like you said, to arm him with more tools to make bad decisions, like old decisions, it's just like, you know, it's a little worrying, a little bit. And just to correct myself, I said two and nine. It, uh, it would be four and nine. Two, I said second base. So just cleaning it up a little bit there. But uh, let, let's not get too bogged down in uh, relief pitcher hell, which is where we are. You know, yep, sometimes yep, you yep. got to look over the fence. Let's let's talk about Josh Harrison. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. What do you got? So, you know, I like the move in that he's undoubtedly better than Danny Mendick. So let's start there. It's an improvement. Is it the improvement? Is it the answer to second base? I don't think so. I think it's like a very White Sox move. Let's get this veteran. He's like he is an above replacement player. There's no there's no argument there. He's definitely on the backside of his career. I think he's 34 years today. Um, not like it's his birthday. Just that's how old he is. Um, <laughs> happy birthday, uh, Josh Harrison. Uh, but uh, I mean, it doesn't move the needle too much for me. But I think it's definitely a good let's get a utility guy slash starter for the White Sox. Uh, I told you in the, in the last pod of last season, I wanted Chris Taylor because I think he's the, literally the perfect player for the White Sox, but that that is not happening. So from that, like from what I wanted, Chris Taylor to what I got, uh, Josh Harrison, <laughs> there's a big, big old gap uh, as far as quality, quality starting player. Yeah, I think like. But on the other hand, I I wasn't as excited about guys like Chris Taylor as you because I just assumed we would go for an outfielder instead. 
So in my mind, the last several months, I just like thought, yeah, let's just get a stopgap. Like Cesar Hernandez, who like I liked. We I think we both liked Cesar Hernandez. And someone like that for another year was totally fine with me. Like I, I've liked Josh Harrison for a long time. I think he could be a solid player. Uh, but like there's also some potential that it's Adam Eaton all over again. As in, here's a veteran guy who has been productive that we're really counting on to be a starting player for a team with title aspirations. But then they're just like done. Their career's done. Like Adam Eaton was paid $10 million last year and his career is over. It was, it, we released him three months. So would I be surprised if Josh Harrison is like out of baseball in four months? No. And that's like a terrifying thought for our starting second baseman. But also yeah. like Larry Garcia is there. And I actually kind of like the flexibility of maybe you start Josh Harrison at second and that frees up Larry to do what he does best, which is like not to be a starter, but still play 140 games rotate through short center third second so i think it like also enhances our other utility guy and it's been a while since we've had like real lineup flexibility because i mean last year god didn't andrew vaughn like play second base a couple times it's like what are we even doing here yeah i think he even pitched honestly <laughs> wouldn't be shocked <laughs> so i like it for the flexibility piece but i'm holding off real judgment until I see what Han does with the outfield. Because if we go get a guy like Conforto or something, I think you would then like this move a little bit more. Didn't Conforto sign on Friday? Did Conforto sign? I thought he did. Oh, no. I, damn it. Maybe not. Maybe not. No, he Maybe not. Sign. Okay. I thought he had. Yeah. I, all these moves, I think you said it maybe like, 15 or 20 minutes ago they all make more sense if there's a big move coming behind them a conforto a castellanos type move a big we've totally shored up we emptied the coffer type move otherwise they suck (laughs) but there has to be that big move and uh, i don't know if it's gonna come but like up until now like everything you said about harrison as far as like availability and is he gonna suck because he's old i think that's 100 percent true like it's kind of it's kind of sad like of all the contracts we've signed and thinking about signing we're getting all guys who are like on their prove it deal and they proved it and if you follow sports you know that uh after the prove it deal you kind of see a decline in performance just because all right i got paid I don't know if that's real 100% of the time, but uh, it seems to be. So that's my other worry is like you had brought up like Sean Manea potentially coming here. He was on a prove it, prove it year last year. He proved it. Uh, if they bring him in, he's another guy I'm not crazy about at this stage of his career. So, yeah. Well, let's pivot to him because I think they're kind of related. Let's say... Because I think there's like greater than a 50% chance that our starting lineup is basically done. Like I, if you fast forward a month, I think our lineup's done. Grundahl, Abreu, Josh Harrison at second, Tim Anderson, Yuan Mokata, Eloy, Luis Robert, some platoon of Adam Engel and Gavin Sheets and Wright, Vaughn at DH, Larry Super Utility. So let's say that's done. Do you agree with Rick Hahn then who is basically saying, I'm fine with that lineup. Our biggest need is a fifth starter. 
therefore I'm going to get Sean Manea. Or do you disagree with that? Do you think like, no, rotation's fine. I believe in Kopech. I believe in Crochet. We need a bat. Um, I'm more resigned to it than agree or disagree with it. I really don't see the Sox making a big splash. So I, I am, I'm with you on the let's assume what we have is what we're going to have. I, I yeah. think that's how it's going to end up. And uh, so Manea would be the fifth starter is what you're saying? Well, I guess it would give you flexibility to just have Keuchel gone, whether you release him, whether you put him in the bullpen. So it'd be Giolito, Lynn, Cease, Manea, and Kopech. Or, and then Kopech, if you need to like limit his innings, there's Crochet as well. Maybe Keuchel's in there. So it just gives you like a lot of flexibility with injuries and limiting workload for the young guys. Manea's a lefty, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's got he's got one year left. He's a free agent. So I mean to your prove it thing, like could work. It could. He's on the last year arbitration, so I think he's gonna get like what, ten mil or something this year. So Probably, it's yeah. you know, it's not a cheap contract. I, I've always liked the guy. I think he's good, no doubt. And we need a lefty if we're losing Rodan. Um how much does it move the needle? I've I because you're you're going from Rodan to Manea then, right? Pretty much, yeah. You know, in usage, it may actually be an equal trade off because Manea is going to be available for the probably 170, 180 innings. Yeah, I don't think it like raises your ceiling, but I think it really raises your floor because if like Kopech goes down and with the injury, God forbid, and like Crochet, you know, you're limiting to like what 60 innings. And Keuchel's a disaster. There's a possibility that we only have three starting pitchers worth a damn next year. Oh, before we go there, they signed Velasquez, right? Yeah, but he might be. I in my notes for Velasquez, I put horrible, (laughs) but I like him. Yeah, I'm right there. Like when I saw that news, I'm like, oh god, he sucks, but he's all right. (laughs) He's a guy that you draft every year in fantasy for a dollar. Like this is the year he's going to put it together, and then he's got like an eight ERA. Yeah, so I think he's like, what, 31 years old, career ERA is probably above five. I don't know, I'm just guessing, but he's one of these guys who gets a lot of strikeouts and gives up a lot of hits. Let me see. He is 4.56 ERA career. Okay. Oh, no, 495. You were spot on. Never mind. All right. Thank you. Justified. Um that move, it's a, it, he's better than, what's his name? Keuchel, for sure. I'd rather see Velasquez than Keuchel. <laughs> that is a depressing sentence. Isn't it? Yeah, God. Well, how old is Keuchel now? He's got to be like 35, right? 35 or is going he sneaky on 70. Young? He's going on 70? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if Keuchel was 70, I'd be fine with him in the rotation. Like, oh my God, look at this guy. He's still, he's still bringing it. <laughs> That would explain his fastball speed a little better. He's 34 yeah. years old. Okay. Um, just let's do a quick reset. Do you think Kopech is the fifth starter? Is he finally a starter? Is Crochet a starter this year? I think is Crochet Kopech, ever going to start. I think Kopech is for sure the fifth starter, like entering spring training for sure the starter like in april whether that 
I think the question is like, do they limit his workload by cutting him off in August? Do they limit or do they limit his workload by like pitch counts throughout the year? Do they limit his workload by having like a six man rotation? So I think he's starting. I don't think he's going to be in the bullpen at all this year unless it's like, oh man, he's blowing past his innings limit. We really got to, you know, tamp it down. Yeah. Just even if he's in the starting rotation, I think that's huge. Whatever capacity, whatever limits, we've all been waiting. He could be our new Rodon, our new uh, fan favorite. Maybe not that actually good, but God, we love him type guy. I mean, 70 innings last year, you figure if you can get 120 innings out of him, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, that'd be a huge success. 120 innings, so maybe like, you limit him to five innings, 75 pitches, and then you have this huge bullpen, might as well use it. Like, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, you still have Keuchel, as of now, making 20 mil, so he can get some mop-up innings, too. Two For innings sure. every time he starts, yeah. Anything else on the new guys? I, I guess I had a quite like, you've kind of already answered it, but my big question is like let's say this is actually it no more even moves on the margins like our team now is what our team will be on april 7th opening day yep do you think we're winning the division do you think it's still enough you know that's a really good question i'm glad you uh brought that up which is you know we talked about the new guys we talked about some of the guys who left let's talk about the this upcoming season how it's actually going to play out i don't know I think it's going to be a much more difficult season than 2021. I think that for sure. I think the Tigers are going to be better. I think the Twins can't not be worse. Like, they they have to be better. So I think you're going to see at least 30, maybe 40 more wins in the division. And if are we going to be able to keep pace with it? Like, because last year was weird, especially for White Sox. Because the White Sox usually clinch on the last day of the season. But it was pretty much uh, just a slow ride to the division championship last year. I think we're we're really going to be tested this season, especially if um, there's no major upgrades for the starting lineup. I think we're going to be tested this year. I think it's going to be a lot more difficult. I don't think you could just pencil us in as division champs just yet. Uh, I... I think the Twins and the Tigers are really going to make it hard for us because they're just going to win games and they're going to weaken us. They're going to weaken everyone else in the American League. I think it's going to be tougher. Do I think we're going to win the division? Yes. I think it's going to be a September clinch, though, not July 1st. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if if we have... I mean, I think you and I are higher on the Tigers than most people. But I wouldn't be shocked if we have like four teams that enter September 1st with a real shot at it. It's like, oh my God, are the Tigers really going to win 90 games? Wouldn't be shocked. Like the Twins just traded for Sonny Gray. Like they're clearly not tanking after a a bad year. Yeah. They're trying to win. Teams are trying to win for the first time in a few years in the Central. Yeah. Imagine if the Twins had Buxton for 145 games. Right. Maybe a whole different season last year. So 
I'm not like the oh, Soxers can steamroll. It doesn't matter. I don't think that's true. Like it was true last year because nobody was trying except the Sox. Like everyone's like the twins were trying and then they're like, oh, we suck. Oh, well. But this year, I think you're going to have three teams vying and, you know, the the Guardians and uh, the Royals, they're still out there. I mean, I think they're bad. They're both bad, but, uh, but I think it's going to be a lot like, tougher. Cleveland was a 500 team, and Shane yeah. Bieber missed half the season. Like, yes. The best pitcher in the AL missed half the season. They're getting him back. A lot of their young guys, like, might be awesome. Like, that lineup sometimes terrifies me, even though it's not, like, stacked with hitters. But, I don't know, like, Fran Miel Reyes, to me, I don't know why. He's like Barry Bonds. That guy, I would... You could tell he's me a beast. He he's a straight up beast. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, there's like talent in baseball is endemic right now. It's everywhere. So to, like the days of well, the Royals kind of suck, but uh, the days oh, yeah. of like bad teams, like zero to twenty five, every single roster member is bad. Like the Sox have had that situation, <laughs> but the, those days are they're kind of gone. So uh, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a real tough year. And I, that's why I really think the Sox need to, like, I'm going to be disappointed if this window that we're in, and, you know, it had every, all good things must pass, all things must pass, it's going to end eventually. And if we don't go all in because we saved 20 mil on one player, I'm going to be super disappointed because it's just, if you want it to win, you got to go all in on your window. <laughs> no rhyme, no rhyme intended, but it happened. It's just like, it's, it's, it's kind of infuriating to me as a Sox fan. It's like, you're so obviously can win this division right now. If you go out and spend 50 mil, it would be so obvious. You could win the division and be a, like a, a real contender. They're just, they keep flirting with, are we a contender or are we, a, you know, I'm not going to rhyme again. I'm not going to say pretender. Um, I wanted, I was like hoping for it. I was like, had I a shaving grin on my face. I know. I did say it all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they really need to go all in because it's just going to get harder. Every year it's going to get harder. Your players are going to get older. So I think it's going to be a tough year. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think September 1. The first to fourth in the AL Central is going to be a 10 game difference, which is kind of scary because last year we went into September like <laughs> 20 games clear. Shit. So it's going well, to be a much your, different season. And to your point, like the importance of like this year specifically, 2022, our farm system like is being ranked dead last in all the rankings that are coming out like 30. It's a barren wasteland. We have nothing. We got nothing. I mean, because we like called up a bunch of guys, which is great, but like we have nothing now. We're not like the Rays and Dodgers where it's like, oh, your major league team's awesome and you have eight awesome prospects. Like we're not like that. Combine that with the awesome prospects that there are. Tigers have Spencer Torkelson. That dude might be hitting 40 home runs next year. Bobby Witt on the Royals. Like that kid might be the next like A-Rod. There's like superstars coming up in the AL Central into teams that like already have a really awesome base. So if we don't win this year and we have to pay Giolito, we have to pay Cease, we got to pay Tim Anderson, you know, 
this is it. Like it's literally it. And we've had some nice times the last couple of years, like when the stakes weren't really high, but this is it. And I think if it's June and we're not pulling away from the pack in first place, you're going to hear a lot of pressure on Jerry Reinsdorf for maybe the first time in like 15 years. Cause this is a fan base that's desperate for another title who has an amazing team who is tired of like the penny pinching. And there are these rumors swirling of like, is Reinsdorf going to sell or is he going to pass it on to his son? Like, is he trying to make it a marketable asset for someone to sell? That's why it's not like a bloated payroll. He's going to start getting those questions and they're not, and they're going to be real. They're going to be like in real news. So this team better get off to a hot start or else it like could kind of get ugly this summer. Yeah. And I think deservedly I see, I see him handing it over to the next Reinsdorf. I know he's already involved in operations and a couple of his businesses. So I I think it's going to be a legacy thing, which is going to ask the question even more. It's like, well, what, what legacy are you trying to pass on? Right. Uh, A penny pinching. Like I came up and swindled people in the eighties and then I bought the socks and I held the city at ransom. And then I did nothing for 30 years is that your legacy (laughs) you know it sounds like a simple explanation of what happened but that is literally in two that's on point 40 years of white sucks baseball that is on point seriously Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it would be great to just like just dumb money because I don't care. It's not my money. I go and I spend my money at the park and I, I put in I put in plenty of what I take out. Like I want to see some players like right now because everything you said is true. All these like great young players that we've been hoarding and this is the window. Well, this is the window. Here we are. What, like what what are we waiting for? You know, totally. I think that's it for my uh, non-MLB lockout rule change stuff, if you want to end with some big picture stuff, unless you get more uh, off-season takes from the White Sox. Uh, Not really on the off-season. One thing that I saw today that kind of interesting, maybe chat about it. So of the White Sox players, who is leading the odds in MVP? It's uh, Luis Robert. Oh, and then Abreu after him, and I think Tim Anderson after him. So, uh, yeah, our perennial Luis Robert MVP combo. Let's bring that back. I mean, do you think the think there's a chance this year? I mean, I think it's like Byron Buxton, who you mentioned. Like, I, I could see a world where Luis Robert has 9.7 war at the end of the year. And I can also see where he plays like 20 games. So like, will he produce it at MVP caliber when he's on the field? I have no doubt that that's going to be true. Will he be on the field? Like, that's another conversation. So it's a bet that I probably won't make because he's not a guy where it's like, oh, he's going to be a solid contributor for four months and like really turn it on in August and September and make himself known in the MVP race. It's just like a coin flip, and I don't want to bet on that. I agree. It's really not a fun bet. I think the most fun bet is Yasmani Grandal for MVP, going at a hundred to one right now. Which Whoa, I think, serious? I think honestly, he's the most MVP likely. So I, I kind of like that bet. <laughs> 
I mean, that's amazing value. If Grandal hits 30 homers with some like, you know, good defense behind the plate and takes this like ragtag tag group of like weirdos to the World Series. Like, oh man, yeah, he can be MVP for sure. The only other thing that I had was uh, so we got we got games, we got a full season, regular regular type baseball, no more co- well COVID restrictions. I'm sure are going to be at your leisure, no uh, forced masking and such. So I saw the Sox have a ticket plan, ten games where it's com- it's like you pick the games, you you buy ten game vouchers, and then you could. Uh, Go to any 10 games you choose with a couple exclusions. I think Cubs was the only exclusion. I think that that's a really good deal. I Someone from work just bought those. Like he got the, it's like 40 vouchers or something. And he said like you, I was shocked that there weren't more restrictions. Because he's like, I can go to every Dodgers game if I want. Right. I can, like I can go to these like Sunday afternoon games that are sometimes like really hard to get tickets to. It's such a good deal, and I think I might do it. I think that might be the package. And it also gives you some postseason privileges, too, like right, for yeah. uh, ticketing for postseason. I think that's the deal for me because, like, it's hard going into the season. Like, I want to go to this game, this game, this game, because, you know, life happens all around you, and sometimes you can't meet those games. You Do I have to sell the tickets now? Blah, blah, blah. If I just have a voucher, I can go whenever. I think that's the deal for me this season right now. The postseason privileges is huge. I, I'm talking myself into it. I wasn't going to, but I think I'm talking myself into it. Because, I mean, we're probably going to go to 10 games this year. Yeah. You just eat it up front. You don't get maybe $8 off on buying them day of, whatever. But I think that's the deal. Other than that, have you seen the new Sox spring training hat? No, is it out? It's out. It's out what? there. So I, I think it's like the, I don't know what year it is. It might be like the 19, it's some legacy logo. It's the socks where it has all the little dots in the S. Pull it up on your computer if you got it. But that's. Oh, uh, I see it. Yeah. It's a trucker hat. They do have a trucker option. Absolutely. Oh, you mean with the mesh in the back? Yeah. Yeah. It's a non-optional mesh. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely trucker or bust. But the design, I think, is a huge leap forward from that combo double logo bullshit they were doing the last two years where they just mushed the Hitman logo with the traditional, well, the current Sox logo, the the script Sox. I think it's a big improvement. This is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the actual logo from like the navy blue and red but just with the black and white colors right i I believe you're correct i think that looks awesome yeah it does it's a good hat and i'm always in the hat market uh i think if they had like a different color i do like black don't get me wrong but i just bought a black socks hat last season i kind of like to mix up my colors a bit but I kind of want to get it <laughs> either way. They do have the St. Patty's version, but uh, I don't know if I'm a green hat guy quite yet. Yeah, I'm looking through that. You would think they would have a. No, it's good, though. I like it. I, I'm not a hat guy, but I can appreciate a good hat. Good hat chat. Yeah, that's right. 
Ending on a strong note here. Hats. One of us <laughs> likes them. The other one's okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But um, that, that's everything I got. You got anything on your your sheet? Nothing. We can save it for... It's just like, you know, big general, like, rule change stuff. We can save it for another time. Let's end on hats. We'll give people what they want. End on the hats. <laughs> people want hats. That's right. All when right. I'm in the market for a hat, I listen to a podcast where I can't see what they're talking about. Right. And we don't even really know the product. We're making right. a lot of guesses on what era the logo is from, what the colors are. We don't even know. We're not telling you where to go to look at it. No. You can figure that out. Google it. <laughs> but happy to be back. Happy that baseball is back. We got season two of The Hurl. I'm excited. We got we got plans. We talked about a lot of them last season. We didn't do any of them because we suck. Mm-hmm. But this year, I swear, we're going to do a lot of them. We're going to do the in-game uh, pod in the parking lot. We're going to have people on so you don't have to just hear burl and hurl yakking. We're going to mix it up. So We're, we're going to get that creepy cameo done. We're going to get the creepy cameo. That's happening for sure. Like, not I, even if it doesn't go on the air, we're going to do it. So we may as well put it on the air. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited. Don, you got any sign-off thoughts? No, that's it. Happy to be back. Season two. Let's do it. Season two. Here we go. Thanks for listening. unbelievable.